Okay, brothers and sisters, we are truly happy to have you join us together today to study the words and commandments of our Father. So our question for today is only one, but it will take a couple of hours, or well, maybe not a couple of hours, it will take some time before we go ahead and fully answer this question. And the question pertains to Israel becoming a nation again, because if we know history, something miraculous happened on May 14, 1948, out of the blue, people of Israel, they assembled together in the land of Israel, and they became a nation again. And so this has prompted many to ask the question, well, was this fulfillment of prophecy? Because our King Yahushua pointed to Israel during the end times, because it is the place and the subject of many of biblical prophecies. And so let's go ahead and take a look at the book of Jeremiah 24, 1 down to 23, so that we can understand uh, what happened to Israel, which is why there was a need for a prophecy to speak of Israel becoming a nation again. Let's read the book of Jeremiah 24, 1 down to 3, after King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon exiled Jehoiachin, son of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, to Babylon, along with the officials of Judah, and all the craftsmen and artisans, Yahuwah gave me this vision. I saw two baskets of figs placed in front of Yahuwah's temple in Jerusalem. One basket was filled with fresh, ripe figs, while the other was filled with bad figs that were too rotten to eat. Then Yahuwah said to me, what do you see, Jeremiah? I replied, figs, some very good and some very bad, too rotten to eat. Now, what we read to you is a vision granted by Yahuwah to one of his prophets. His name is Jeremiah. If you don't know, Jeremiah was a prophet who served during the time when Judah was exiled to Babylon. And so it was during sad times when Jeremiah prophesied. He prophesied the doom and the gloom of Israel as a whole. He was given a vision about two baskets of figs. One good figs, one basket of good figs, another basket made uh, composed of bad figs. So we have good figs and bad figs. What do these figs represent? In verses 4 to 7, then Yahuwah gave me this message. This is what Yahuwah, the God of Israel, says. The good figs represents the exiles I sent from Judah to the land of the Babylonians. I will watch over and care for them, and I will bring them back here again. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them hearts that recognize me as Yahuwah. They will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me wholeheartedly. And so what do the good figs represent? They represent the exiles who went to the land of the Babylonians. Now, why does Yahuwah consider them as good figs? Because they accepted and submitted to the discipline and punishment of Yahuwah. Remember, during this time, the people of Israel, people of Judah, well, they became stubborn. They worshipped false gods. And so because of their iniquity and infidelity, Yahuwah would punish and discipline his people Israel. And so Yahuwah would exile them. And so there were the good figs representing the people of Israel who accepted the punishment of God. Now, who are those who were considered bad figs? Eight to nine, but the bad figs, uh, Yahuwah said, represent King Zedekiah of Judah, his officials, all the people left in Jerusalem, and those who live in Egypt. I will treat them like bad figs too rotten to eat. I will make them an object of horror and a symbol of evil to every nation on earth. They will be disgraced and mocked, taunted and cursed wherever I scatter them. Who are those? Represented by bad pigs. They, rep they represent King Zedekiah, his officials, and the people who left Jerusalem to escape the punishment of Yahuwah Abba. And so they rejected the days of exiles, exile there in Babylon. And so what would eventually happen 
is that they would become an object of horror, they would be disgraced and mocked. So here we see that in this prophecy of Jeremiah, in this vision given by Yahuwah to him, the fig tree represents Israel as a whole. The figs represent the children of Israel, the people of God. And so from this prophecy, in future prophecies, when we run across the fig tree, especially during the New Testament times, when our King Yahushua is speaking about the fig tree, we know it is referring to the people of Israel. And so we need to keep that in the back of our minds because many prophetic events for the end times pertains to the fig tree and the people of Israel. And so we know we have the good figs. They represent the exiles. They went from Judah to the land of the Babylonians. So they surrendered willingly to Babylon. And so Israel, Judah, became servants of Babylon in 606 B.C., and the first stage of deportation took place. Remember, there was a total of about three sieges, three deportations uh, during the days of the exile. So the first one took place 606 B.C. And so when this deportation took place, they took Daniel and some of the other prophets, but that was just the first one. And then afterwards, we had the second deportation, which included the prophet Ezekiel. And we're going to look at this prophecy as well later on in our study today. And so they were the ones who willingly accepted the punishment of Yahuwah. And so they went in exile to Babylon. However, the bad figs represented by King Zedekiah, well, they rejected the Babylonian captivity. They fought against them as best as they can. Instead of submitting to the prophecies of Jeremiah and to the will of Yahuwah Abba. Eventually, though, these rebels, because they rebelled against Yahuwah's will, they would eventually receive harsh treatment from the Babylonians. And so the Nebuchadnezzar, together with his army, went back to Jerusalem and completely annihilated the uh, Jerusalem. And so that was the third deportation, and it made Jerusalem desolate. And this took place in 587 BC. And so what we have in fulfillment of the prophecy concerning the punishment of Israel, Israel's captivity began in 606 BC. That's when they became servants of the Babylonians. So the servitude of Israel begins because of the resistance to the will of Yahuwah Abba, Nebuchadnezzar goes to Israel, destroys Jerusalem, and five, by 587 BC, Jerusalem becomes desolate. So the whole of Israel was punished by Yahuwah because of their iniquity. But we know Yahuwah was a God of grace, compassion, and love. And so we know when he punishes, he also provides a way by which they would find a way to find good graces with Yahuwah once again. So according to the prophecy given this time by Ezekiel, how long will the people of Israel be punished for? Let's go back to, let's go to Ezekiel this time. 446, lie also on your left side and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it. According to the number of the days that you lie on it, you shall bear their iniquity. For I have laid on you the years of their iniquity according to the number of the days, 390 days. So you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And when you have completed them, lie again on your right side. Then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah 40 days. I have laid on you a day for each year. I want you to keep that in mind. Because when Yahuwah God gave this instruction to Ezekiel, the prophet, remember, he was in exile in Babylon. And so while in exile in Babylon, here's Ezekiel, and he's writing about this instruction given by Yahuwah to him. Yahuwah tells him that he is to bear the iniquity of the house of Israel, and the house of Judah. Remember, Israel as a whole is composed of two houses, the house of Judah 
and the house of Israel. When we speak of Israel without mentioning house, we're referring to both houses. And so here, all of Israel, the whole of Israel, they have to pay for their sins. And so the punishment for the people of Israel is to satisfy the just, the justice and righteousness of God. And to illustrate this, Yahuwah gave Ezekiel the instruction to lie on his left side and then to lie on his right side. When he was told to lie on his left side, it is because he was to bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. For how long? 390 days. So that's for the house of Israel. And for the people of Judah, 40 days. And so when we say days, we remember it's a day for each year. And so this means 390 years of punishment is going to be given to Israel because of the house of Israel's iniquity. And for the house of Judah, it is 40 days, which is 40 years. And so 40 years of punishment because of the house of Judah's iniquity. And so house of Israel, house of Judah, taken together, the entirety or all of Israel, they are to suffer 430 years of punishment. Do you see where we got the number 430 from? You see it? Maybe you didn't. It's 390 plus 40. You get 430. Did I get the math correct? I think I did. So you get 430 years of punishment. And so this means that the people of Israel would be servants. They would not be their own sovereign nation, but servants of other nations. Okay, that's the punishment. And it's going to last for only how long? 430 years. Well, when did this punishment begin? So that we can begin the time clock. When did it begin? Well, it began in 606 BC, the servitude of Israel. However, according to the prophet Jeremiah, how long will they be captives in Babylon? Jeremiah 25 verse 11, this entire land will become a desolate wasteland. Israel and her neighboring lands will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. And so how long will the captivity of Israel be for in uh, Babylon? It's going to last for how long? Seven zero, 70 years. So when we go to 606 BC, that's when they begin their servitude, right? And so 606 BC, servitude of Israel begins in Babylon. So the seven zero years is servitude in Babylon. And we know that each year in prophecy corresponds to how many days? Because regular years, the way we know and understand them, is 365.25 days per year. That's a regular year, according to our modern reckoning. However, when the Bible speaks of years, it speaks of prophetic years. And in prophetic years, how many days for one year? It is 360 days. So we have 70 prophetic years, which is 25,200 days which is about 69 regular years, because 69 regular years is 25,202 days. So when we're speaking of 70 prophetic years, it's about 69 regular years. So when we look at the beginning of the servitude, 606 BC, and this is for 69 years, you get about 537 BC. That's when the captivity in Babylon, which is 70 prophetic years, would come to an end. So according to many Bible scholars, uh, they computed the release from captivity in Babylon around July 2537 BC. Now, of course, this is uh, going to be, it's hard to prove that, but the way scholars come up and reckon these dates because back then, whenever historical events were depicted, it was not given in terms of the way we, we frame them today. Like we have the month, the day, and the year. Back then, the way they 
put the, the way they laid out history in your books was they would cite like the, the king. And so they would say on the fifth year or, or the sixth day of the fifth year of Artaxerxes' reign, right? So you have to determine when was he actually the one, when did he actually become king? And so there's a lot of things that you kind of look into to determine these dates. Anyways, um, take it as you will. Most scholars believe they come to the consensus that captivity from Babylon ended July 23, 537 BC, which makes sense. That would make it 69 regular years or 70 prophetic years. So we know prophecy was fulfilled. So the 400 years of punishment, of servitude, at least from Babylon, that would come to an end, right? After 430 years. So we already have 70 years because of the end of the Babylonian captivity. So 430 minus 70, how many years do we have left? 360 years left for sin to be accounted for. Remember, the punishment was for 430. 70 was spent in Babylon. How many left? 360 years. So in a sense, uh, they were given 360 years of probation. It's like when a person is taken to jail, and because he has good behavior, he's let out, and he's on probation. If he does good on probation, what happens? I mean, he's clear, right? And so in a way, Israel is like going to spend the next 360 years on probation because Yahuwah plans not just to end the captivity. He also has something planned for the people of Israel. Let's take a look at Jeremiah 29, 10 to 14. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised. And I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says Yahuwah. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says Yahuwah. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where, where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. And so in the prophecy of Jeremiah, he tells us that after 70 years, Yahuwah has plans for the people of Israel. What are these plans? Not just to end captivity, but also to restore Israel's fortunes because Yahuwah loves Israel. He loves his people. And so when he punishes his people, his purpose is to discipline so that they can be restored. So we can see here Yahuwah intends to restore his people Israel, not just to end captivity, but full restoration. However, this is contingent upon what Israel would do if they were to learn from their punishment, if they were to learn from their discipline. What is Yahuwah's condition? Bible says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. It is because they rejected Yahuwah. They served him half-heartedly. The other half was dedicated to other gods. And so what Yahuwah wants is complete submission to him, to fulfill the Shema, which is Yahuwah and Yahuwah alone. And so if they were able to satisfy this requirement from our father Yahuwah, Yahuwah would restore Israel's fortunes. But when you look at this prophecy from Jeremiah, you can already tell that they're going to fail. You know why? If you look at the bottom, it mentions, I will gather you out of the nations. And so this tells us in advance, Yahuwah already knows, because after all, he can see the past, the, the future, and the present as though it was happening all at once. There's no such thing as time constraints for our father, Yahuwah. So he already knows they're going to fail. This is why the Bible says he's going to gather them out of the nations. It doesn't say I'm going to gather them out of the nation. Not out of Babylon. In other words, this is kind of 
prophesying to us that the people of Israel, because of their infidelity, they would actually be dispersed to and scattered throughout all the nations of the whole world. So this prophecy, this plan of God, whose intention is to prosper them, to bring about his goodwill for them, to restore their fortunes, that's not going to happen until the end times. You see that in the prophecy. The completion of the restoration of Israel will not happen until the end times. That's because Israel will not learn his lesson. Israel still would not wholeheartedly obey Yahuwah. They're interested in other things. They do not want to worship. This is why even when the remnants from Babylon went back to Jerusalem, it took a while for them to rebuild the temple because their heart was never in it. And so because they kept disobeying the will of Yahuwah Abba, including breaking the Sabbath again and again, what would be the outcome? Well, according to the book of Leviticus, part of the law, the Torah, whenever Yahuwah punishes, and they do not learn to punish, according to Leviticus, which is also prophetic, this is what it says. If, but if you do not obey me and do not observe all these commandments, and if you despise my statutes, or if you, your soul abhors my judgments, so that you do not perform all my commandments, but break my covenant, I will also do this to you. I will even appoint terror over you, wasting disease and fever, which shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemy shall eat it. I will set my face against you, and you shall be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you shall reign over you, and you shall flee when no one pursues you. And after all this, if you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. In verse 17, when Yahuwah's face was set against his people and the enemies would defeat them, that was fulfilled. This is why they were sent into captivity. The purpose of the captivity was to teach them to be obedient, not to break the covenant. But even after the captivity, if they were still to be stubborn and break the covenant with Yahuwah, Verse 18 says, and after this, if you still don't obey me, what's going to happen to the punishment? Seven times more. In other words, it's going to be multiplied. So the remaining 360 years after the captivity will be multiplied by seven. What's 360 multiplied by seven? Well, you get to 2,520 prophetic years it should not have been that long but because they kept breaking the covenant because they were not loyal to our father yahuwah yahuwah israel's servitude would last 2520 years longer right these are prophetic years and remember 360 days is in one prophetic year so when we calculate 2520 in prophetic years, that's a long time. But before we calculate, what, what this basically is telling us is it will take another 2520 prophetic years after 537 BC. What happened in 537 BC? They were no longer captive in Babylon, right? And so 2520 prophetic years after 537 BC before they can break free from their servitude and become a nation again. That's a long time. And when you calculate the modern calendar years, the regular years, and factoring in leap years, um, and the Gregorian calendar change, the change from BC to AD, 2,520 prophetic years is equal to 2,483 years, nine months, and 21 days, okay? Because for each prophetic year, is only 360 days. And so it's going to be less than an actual year. And so when you factor, when you go, when you calculate 2,520 prophetic years, well, it's going to come out to 
in, in actual years, it's going to be less than that. Okay, so it's going to come out to 2,483 years, nine months, and 21 days. In other words, it will take another 2,483 years, nine months, and 21 days after July 23, 537 BC, before Israel can break free from their servitude and become a nation again. Remember, they cease to be a nation of their own back in 606 BC. And they were released from captivity, but they were still not a nation of their own because the Persians would still control them, the Greeks would still control them, the Romans would still control them, and so they were still in servitude, right? And so it, it would not be until 2000. 483 years, nine months, and 21 days later, after July 23, 537 BC, before they can become a full-fledged nation of their own, not controlled by some, not controlled by any other, but their own nation. And so if we do the math from July 23, uh, 23 plus up uh, from July 23, 537 BC, plus you add 240. 2,483 years, nine months and 21 days to get the miraculous day, May 14, 1948. It's amazing. What happened May 14, 1948, brethren? Yeah, the prophecy was fulfilled. The state of Israel is born. Should we be surprised that the state of Israel is born? No, because it follows the prophetic timeline that Yahuwah gave as a punishment for the people of Israel. And so once the punishment was satisfied to the full, Yahuwah would allow the people of Israel to be gathered again, to become a nation of their own. And so the state of Israel was born May 14, 1948. So many events had to happen for this to occur. First of all, there had to be a world war because July 27, 1914, when that war erupted, it removed Ottoman Empire control. And so it allowed these nations to emerge, to become nations of their own again. And one of these nations is the state of Israel. However, behind all of these activities that we see, we can see the hand of God. Because according to the book of Acts, and he has made from one blood every nation of men, to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek Yahuwah in the hope that they might go for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. The Bible tells us that the boundaries and dwellings of the nations of the world today, in 2023, it was pre-appointed by who? Yahuwah, he already knows when Israel would become a nation again. This is why in the prophecy is very detailed and very specified. This tells us about the sovereignty of the Father. The nations today and political affairs today, none of this surprises Yahuwah because behind it all, he is in control of history. This is why somebody once said, history is his story. Right? It is Yahuwah's story. He is orchestrating these events behind the scenes. And so Israel, becoming a nation again, happened out of the will of Abba, and it was pre-appointed by our Father. In other words, it was destined to take place by Yahuwah Abba. Why? The book of Daniel, and they shall drive, uh, drive you from men. And your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen. Seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. This is what the Bible revealed to Nebuchadnezzar because he became boastful when he was the king of the most powerful country, Babylon. And so Yahuwah kind of drove him away, drove him mad. And he wanted to teach him a lesson. He wanted him to understand the reason why he's king is because Yahuwah permitted him to be king. The reason why he conquered Israel was because he permitted him to conquer Israel, right? Because who's in control? It is Yahuwah. He's the one who rules in the kingdoms of men and gives it to whomever he 
chooses. And so when Israel became a nation, it is by the will of our father, Yahuwah. Because Apostle Paul even says, no authority is, is here except from God. The authorities that exist are appointed by God. And so whenever we watch the news and we see the conflict between Arab states and the state of Israel and Ukraine and Russia and many other political affairs, beloved brethren, we should not be afraid. We should not think Yahuwah is no longer in control. He is. Everything is working according to plan. And who is going to use that? And everything's happening on in the world today to cause all of that to work together for good, according to his purpose. So according to uh, the dates in the past, uh, Israel's captivity started 606 BC, the servitude of Israel begins. In 587 BC, Jerusalem is destroyed and becomes desolate, right? And so when you look at these dates, how many years did it take from the servitude of Israel to the destruction of Jerusalem? How many years is that? 19 years, if you do the math. 606 minus 587, you get 19 years. And what's fascinating about this prophecy, about the, the patterns of history, is it coincides with the patterns of prophecy. Because when you look at 606 BC, this is when the servitude of Israel begins, but it's gonna, it's gonna last only until an appointed time, which is why when the fullness of that time came, in May 14, 1948, Israel becomes a nation again, according to prophecy. And in five, and then 19, and then, so Israel becomes a nation again. But in 1967, you know what happened? There was the miraculous Six-Day War, the Six-Day War, remember that? And because of the Six-Day War in 1967, Jerusalem is given to Israel again. It corresponds with 587 BC when Jerusalem becomes desolate. So 606 BC to 1948, Israel is a nation again. 587 BC to 1967, Jerusalem is given to Israel again. Do you know how long? Do you know how long it took from Israel becoming a nation and for Israel to receive Jerusalem again? Yeah, 19 years as well. Fulfilling, uh, fulfilling prophecy yet again. So after 606 BC, Israel never had their own land. Yes, they were allowed to live in the land of Israel, but those who were in control were in Persia, Greece, and Rome. And when Rome was controlling Jerusalem, we know what happened to them, right? In 70 AD, what happened to the people of Israel? Well, Jerusalem would be destroyed. And the Israelites were not only exiled from the land, they were sold to slavery and were forced to scatter throughout the whole world by the Roman Empire. And so no nation in the history of the world that has been dispersed for so long has ever become a nation again. But Yahuwah says in his prophecy in Jeremiah, I will gather you out of the nations. Now it makes sense, right? Because out of the nations all over the world, Yahuwah will begin to gather his people and take note, I will bring you home again to your own land. What does that mean? Well, how can you have your own land if you become a sovereign state, when you become a sovereign nation? When was that fulfilled? 1948. This is why we can now answer the question uh, that we asked for the purpose of this BQ&A. What is that? Israel becoming a nation again in May 14, 1948 is indeed a fulfillment of prophecy. It's a miracle wrought by the hand of Yahuwah because Israel is the only nation that, that has done that. And so Israel becoming a nation again in May 14, 1948 is a fulfillment of Prophecy. He also, you know, who also uh, saw this development take place centuries before it happened. One of my favorite scientists ever. Who is it? Isaac Newton, one of the greatest scientists to ever live. He's one of my favorite scientists. You know why? Because he's a Christian. 
and he studies the Bible and believes every word of it. And he believes in the literal fulfillment of many prophecies. In fact, Isaac Newton in the 1600s, that's before 1948, right? In the 1600s, he wrote that it was foretold in all ye prophets that Israel would again be a nation. And so Isaac Newton, who studies the Bible, he knows if you read the prophecies, not just in Daniel, not just in Isaiah, not just in Ezekiel, not just in Jeremiah, but in so many other places, when you look at all these prophecies, Isaac Newton knew Israel would become a nation again. When he, when he was alive in the 1600s, there was no nation of Israel anymore. They were all dispersed all over the world. But he said they're going to be a nation again. Back in the 17th century, Newton even made calculated estimates of the dates of the return based on numbers given in the book of Daniel, saying that it would come to pass in 1944. He's pretty close, right? Where did he get the information? The Bible, the prophecies. This is why Israel becoming a nation is a fulfillment of prophecy. You see, when you study the prophecy, and you study with an open mind, and you know Yahuwah God is in control of all things, you know, you can be confident, like Isaac Newton, who was a scientist extraordinaire. Prophecy would be fulfilled, and it was. May 14, 1948. Now, you might be thinking and asking, why would Yahuwah even bother to bring back the nation of Israel because when they rejected the Messiah, right? I mean, they rejected the Messiah. They rejected you, Yahuwah, so why would Yahuwah even bother to bring back Israel? Well, let's read the book of Romans 11, 25, 27. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion he will banish ungodliness from Jacob, and this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Why does Yahuwah even bother to cause the state of Israel to be born in 1948? Because he has an all-encompassing plan that he's going to work through. What is that? He's going to fulfill his covenant. Because when he makes a covenant, he fulfills it. When he made a covenant to Abraham, he's going to fulfill it. If Israel doesn't become a nation again, it would make him a liar. Because he made a covenant to Abraham, and he said he's going to do it. So he has not given up on Israel. There are people who say, well, the church is spiritual Israel. That's true. But just because there's a spiritual Israel doesn't mean there's no national or authentic Israel. The reason why the church is called spiritual Israel is because they're going to be grafted to Israel, which means they're still an Israel. You get it? And so when the Bible tells us Yahuwah is not finished with Israel, it's right here. Romans 11. Apostle Paul says time will come when all Israel will be saved. It did not happen in the first century. It's what Yahuwah wanted, really. But he knew he knew in advance that Israel will again reject his intent to restore his people. Because if you go back to Luke 13, 69, he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. Want to pause there for a while? We discussed this previously in the first part of this study. When we're talking about a fig tree and a fig, what are we talking about? Israel, right? And so here's a man at a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the keeper of his vineyard, look, for three years, I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down. And so here we have a parable from our king, Yahushua. He's speaking about a fig tree. What does this represent? Israel. 
in this parable of our King Yahushua, we have the owner of the vineyard who is at Yahuwah. We have the keeper of the vineyard who is at Yahushua. We have the fig tree who is at Israel. What is the expectation of Yahuwah, which is what he planted for the fig tree? Fruit, figs, real people who belong to God. But when Yahushua, the vine keeper, or the keeper of the vineyard, when he looked to check for figs, he found none. For three years, he found none. He ministered to Israel for three years, preaching the gospel, performing miracles with great wonders. Yet, the people did not believe him as the Messiah, right? The Sanhedrin, um, the elders, they rejected, the priests, they rejected Yehusha as the Messiah. And so, Yahuwah wanted to cut it down. Yahushua says, give me one more opportunity. And so the, the, uh, Israel was given more opportunity. And so a season of preaching from Yahushua was fulfilled. And so he's going to check on the fig tree once again when he is going to enter to Jerusalem for his, when he presents himself as king. So this was the opportunity for Israel to accept him as the Messiah. But what happened? Uh, Matthew 21, 18 and 20, in the morning of, in the morning, as Yehusha was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry, and he noticed the fig tree beside the road. Where was he? A place called Bethage, like the entry to, to Jerusalem, which is by the Mount of Olives, which is part of the Olivet Discourse about the end times. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. And he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. The disciples were amazed when they saw this and asked, how did the fig tree wither so quickly? And so the final opportunity that was given for Israel, for them to accept Yahushua as Messiah, when he went to Jerusalem and presented himself as the king of kings, as the king of Israel, they rejected him. And so the fig tree was cursed. This is why after this event, Israel was destroyed by Rome. They will be dispersed all over the world. And they will be trampled over by Gentiles. Because they rejected the Messiah. The Messiah turned to the Gentiles. And so the Gentiles were grafted to Israel through the Messiah. And this was called the age of the Gentiles. But what is the plan of Yahuwah for Israel? Bible says a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And then the deliverer will come. Who is that? Yahushua. What will happen to Israel? Their sins will be taken away. This is on the Day of Atonement because national forgiveness that is on the Day of Atonement. So there will be a time when Israel is going to accept Yahushua as their king, receive the spirit, and become be able to bear fruit once again. And so what Romans 11, 25 to 27 tells us is, Israel will be restored. This is why we're not surprised that on May 14, 1948, Israel became a nation again. It's part of the sequence of events that will happen for Yahuwah to complete the work of restoration. But keep in mind, the work of restoration comes in stages, right? It doesn't happen all at once. It's the nature of re uh, restoration. And so this restoration of Israel that comes in stages, how was it depicted in biblical prophecy? Ezekiel 37, 1-3, The hand of Yahuwah came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of Yahuwah. And he set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? That's a trick question. <laughs> oh, Lord Yahuwah, you know. You know, Ezekiel had a good answer. I mean, if you were given that question by Yahuwah, what would your answer be? Because Ezekiel was told to go to the valley. It's full of bones. And not only is it full of bones, it's dry. So dry bones, 
they become brittle. When it's a dry lack of life, right? They dry bones. And then the question asked is, son of man, can these bones live? I mean, if you're talking to a scientist, you're going to say, no. But Ezekiel's not a scientist. He's a prophet. And he knows with Almighty Yahuwah, nothing is impossible. So what's his answer? Oh, Lord Yahuwah, you know. <laughs> That's a safe answer, isn't it? That's what he says to Yahuwah. Again, he said uh, to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of Yahuwah. Thus says the Lord Yahuwah to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am Yahuwah. And so when he goes to Yahuwah and says, you know, Yahuwah tells him, prophesy to these bones and say to the dry bones, hear the word of Yahuwah, and something miraculous happens. What happens to the dry bones? Bible says they begin to form uh, sinews is going to form around these bones. The bones will be brought together and it will live. And then in verse 7 to 8, so I prophesied as I was commanded and I, I prophesied there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. This is a miracle. So all these bones in the valley, which is all dry, what do they do? They happen to come together bone by bone. And so they create the, stu the structure of a skeleton, right? And the structure of the skeleton continues to be formed. It's filled with sinews and flesh and skin. So you have the figure of a human person. Before, it was just dry bones. Now, it has bones uh, connected together to form a human figure, and it's filled with flesh. There's only one problem. There's no breath. And so what happens? And also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man, and say to the breath, thus says, Yahuwah, uh, thus says the Lord Yahuwah, come from the four winds, breath and breath on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. And so here, the Bible says that Ezekiel prophesied to the breath, and then the breath, which is the spirit, that's what the breath is, the ruach. If you look at the Hebrew word for breath, it is ruach, the spirit. And so when the spirit enters the, the, the person in the flesh, it becomes a living being. And so they lived, they stood, stood upon their feet, and it was an exceedingly great army. Isn't that amazing? He started out with bones. What happened to the bones? They came together. From the bones, it was it was it, the flesh kind of surrounded it, and it was a full human figure, and not just one, by the way, many. But there was no breath. When the breath came, they all all of a sudden stood up on their feet, and they became an exceedingly great army. And so this was given to Ezekiel. But what does this all mean? What do you think this all means? What do the bones represent? What, do, what does the breath represent? What does standing up as an exceedingly great army represent? Well, in verse 11 to 14, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. So the bones do not represent individuals, but the whole house of Israel. The house of Judah and the house of Jacob. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord Yahuwah, behold, all my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves. O my people, 
and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, Yahuwah, have spoken it and performed it, says Yahuwah. So now we know what it means. What is the dry bones prophecy all about? It's about that day when Yahuwah will restore Israel, but it will come in stages. Do you see the stages? First is gonna have the bones kind of form together, and then the flesh and the sinew, and then the spirit will enter it, and then it will stand. And so it's like a, the stages of Israel's restoration comes in three stages. Bone and sinew, the Ruach entering into it, and then standing as a great army. And so these are the stages of Israel's restoration according to Ezekiel 37. First one, coming together of bone, flesh, and skin. That's the first phase, the first process. And then breath is given. That's the second stage of the restoration process. And then that's standing up to a great army. Okay, that's the third stage of this process. Do you see how this depicts the restoration of the people of Israel? The first part, the coming together of bone, flesh, and skin. Was that fulfilled? Yeah. When? When Israel became a nation. Because Yahuwah says in Ezekiel 37, they will go back to the land of Israel. Right? Did you, did you get that in Ezekiel 37? His people. He says, oh, my people, these bones, Ezekiel, they are talking about my people, Israel, the whole of Israel. They're going to return to the land of Israel. As bones and flesh and skin. This was fulfilled in May 14, 1948. But take note, the breath of Yahuwah, the Ruach, it's not yet in Israel. Because right now, Israel, they continue to reject who? Yahusha. They reject Messiah. And so, yes, they exist as a nation. But they're not yet the nation of God. Get it? But they are a nation. But it's only the first phase. You know what's happening now? From all different directions, more and more people are bringing the gospel to Israel. And Israel today is becoming more and more accepting of Messiah. This is why we, we have this is why we have the steady growth of what are called messianic Jews, right? More and more people are accepting the Messiah. And when the people of Israel accept the Messiah, because if you believe in Yahushua, what do you receive as a gift? The Ruach. Breath is giving. But we know that not, when you talk about Israel as a whole, they have really not yet accepted officially that Yahushua is the Messiah. But there's a trend towards that, but just a little bit. But we know time will come when Israel will accept it, accept Messiah as their king. That's when the breath is going to be given. When is that? It's not going to happen until after the Harpatsa. After the fullness of the Gentiles had come in. That's when they will accept Yahushua as their king. Once they accept Yahushua as their king, then they're going to stand up. This is Israel restored as God's people in the millennial reign. And so this is the, these are the stages of Israel's restoration. It begins with the formation of Israel as a state. Physical restoration first. And then spiritual follows. Physical and then spiritual. Physical, May 14, 1948. Israel becomes a nation, but not yet a nation of God. They still rely not on the power of God, but on their noble prizes, on their wealth, on their wisdom, their science, on their weapons, not Yahuwah. But time will come when they will realize Yahusha is the Messiah because they're going to be moved to jealousy when they see the Gentiles are potsoed with Yahusha and they're going to go through the persecution from the Antichrist and the beast. And so what are they going to do? They're going to realize Yahusha indeed is the Messiah. Once they accept Yahushua as the Messiah, the breath of the Ruach is going to enter into them, and they will stand up to become the people of God once again. 
during the millennial reign. And so it will fulfill Jeremiah 24, 47. Remember the good figs? The good figs represent the exiles I sent from Judah to the land of the Babylonians. Yes, they went through their punishment, but they did not learn. And so seven times, 360, it was extended, but it will be fulfilled. That's why you have verse six. I will watch over and care for them, and I will bring them back here again, 1948. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them hearts that recognize me as Yahuwah. That's the rock, the spirit. They will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me wholeheartedly. And so what was lacking back in 537 B.C.? is going to be present when Yahushua returns and when Israel accepts Yahushua as their king. They're going to have a new heart. They're going to receive the spirit. They're going to be the people of Elohim. They're going to be the people of Yahuwah again. And the people of Israel. Israel is going to be the headquarters of the millennial kingdom. They're going to be the people of, again, people of God again. And Yahuwah is going to fulfill the promises he made to Abraham in the millennial Kingdom. This is why Yahuwah was not finished with Israel. He's going to fulfill his promise because he's a covenant keeper. He's faithful to his covenant. His name is Yahuwah. And he will do that. And so when this will happen, when, when we see that Israel is now assembling to become a nation, what does that mean? Matthew 24, we're almost done. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass on the scene until all these things take place. This prophecy of our King Yahusha confirms that the assembling of Israel as a nation is a fulfillment of prophecy. Because Yahushua himself prophesied about it. He said the fig tree. He says learn the lesson of the fig tree. What's the fig tree again? Israel. He says when its branches bud. And leaves begin to sprout. Why does he say that? Because when he was speaking. Israel was not a nation of Rome. They were under Roman occupation. But he says. That one day. You're going to see Israel begin to bud and its leaves begin to sprout. Take note, there's no figs yet. What does that mean? They're not yet the people of God, but it's about to produce the figs. Why? Because it's now a nation. And so when Yahushua says, when its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, he was speaking of that day. When Israel will become a physical nation. No fruit yet. No figs. But summer is coming. In other words, in summer, you can expect to see the figs, the fruits, the people. Because the figs represent the children of God, children of Israel. It's going to come soon. How soon? Yahushua says, this generation will pass, will not pass from the sea until all these things take place when did the branches bud and the leaves the leaves begin to sprout 1948 and so that means it's going to bear fruit that means Yahushua is going to return in fact he even said this generation will not pass from the sea until all these things take place in other translations of the bible if you were born during that time when the branches and the begin to bud or when Israel became a nation in 1948. If you were born in 1948, there's a chance, if you're strong enough, there's a chance that you can witness the Harpatzah. That's how close we are to We're very close to that day when Yahushua is going to return. And when that happens, soon to follow, is Yahushua will come back to earth as the king of Israel. Okay? And that's our lesson for today. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Almighty 
And most holy Father Yahuwah, thank you so much for your blessing. Thank you for giving us this message. Thank you because we know that we are indeed getting closer and closer to the day of our redemption. Father, what has been prophesied long ago has been fulfilled. The details of your holy words that only you can provide. One by one, they are being fulfilled. Proof and evidence that you are the author of the Holy Scriptures. That you are behind everything that's taking place. And by your hand, we will see the stages of your work of redemption and restoration come to complete fulfillment. Thank you, Father, for giving us this wisdom. Help us to be watchful. Help us to be prepared to receive salvation. Our King Yahushua, we want to learn from you. Strengthen our faith. Help us to be confident by the empowering of your spirit. Inasmuch as we belong to you, we depend on you. May you dwell in our hearts, in our homes, and prepare our hearts so that we can receive you fully on the day when you appear. Father, we believe you have listened to our prayers. We ask everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen.